such technical language. Okay. Did you ever find out what a ship's steering wheel was called, by the way? Okay, welcome to Tokyo Jazz Joints. This is episode 18. And um, slightly different episode this week, bit of a hybrid. It's going to form a bridge between episode 17. We hope you enjoyed our discussion with Tony and Mike last week. It's also going to bridge into an interview with uh, Toru Aizawa of the Toru Aizawa Quartet, who, of course, produced the legendary Tachibana album, very much for a long time, the Holy Grail uh, for Japanese jazz collectors. And um, in the middle of that bridge, we are going to waffle on a little bit about a couple of places. So you won't get just quite as much uh, scintillating banter from us this week, but I'm sure probably uh, you'll not mind that too much. If you know they love the banter, I mean, it's one of the... You main... can always have too much of a good thing, can't you? I guess you can. I mean, as as I uh, as I think we were talking offline previously, too much of a good thing. I'm coming off of a four-day weekend here in beautiful Ooh. Yokohama. Um, we are, of course, recording slightly in advance, but um, this was supposed to be the opening weekend of the Olympics, and since that got cancelled, they did not change uh, the calendar though so we, we still got our holiday which was nice uh but four days of rain uh and high humidity means four days of being at home so clearly the highlight of my weekend was prepping and getting ready to talk to you buddy and we've just been recording an interview across three different time zones so uh, it's only nine twenty-three in the morning for me um we're going to talk about um and the, i think the coffee's kicking in as well so i can feel my my voice getting faster so listen we're going to talk about two places uh, today, and we've concentrated them in a particular area, obviously, because um, they relate specifically uh, in some ways to the interview with Toru Aizawa that we're going to hear later in the episode. The first place, and both of them are in Maibashi City in Guma. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Guma for those who are not familiar with it? Well, sure, sure. Guma is a prefecture uh, that is sort of at the entryway to the most mountainous region of Japan. It's about an hour, maybe an hour and a half on the train northwest of Tokyo. Um, very well known for their hot springs uh, that are literally hundreds of them dotted around the mountain villages. Um, it's actually quite a beautiful place. Unfortunately, my Bashi city, and my apologies to anyone listening from that town, not the most scenic part of the prefecture. Um, if you've heard us talk on previous episodes about Saitama and the sort of flat, uh, you know, residential identical suburbs that spread for miles and miles outside of Tokyo. Maibashi is a bit like that. It's got a nice, quaint, old downtown area that you can walk around in about 20 minutes, and the rest of it is just very, very long sort of, you know, highways with strip malls, um, one of which will get us to one of our uh, jazz joint destinations. But before we start there, um, now, Philip, I remember I went to Maibashi and visited these two places three summers ago. Um, and you followed up the next summer after we did our trip, our domestic trip to the north and south of Japan. So we did go there separately. Um, but we're going to start at Downbeat, which is no relation to one of our favorite joints in Yokohama, just shares the name. And uh, I think we had a very similar experience because when I knocked on the door of Downbeat, it was about midday on a Saturday. I'd just gotten off the train in Maibashi. A friend of mine and I went up there and um, we, we knocked on the door. 
we kind of saw some tray of food on one of the tables, but there was nobody around. And then a lady came around the counter and she was saying, no, 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 closed. Uh, but we explained, you know, we'd come all the way from Tokyo. And as soon as we said that, got a huge smile. She opened the door and was like, you came all the way to Tokyo and my shop is your first stop? And we said, yes, yes, it is. We're, we're jazz cafe explorers. So she let us in. And uh, we spent about an hour with her, an absolutely wonderful lady. Um, she explained that, unfortunately, her husband had passed away a couple years earlier, but they had run the cafe together for a couple of decades. And now she was sort of in the process of redesigning it to make it a little bit cleaner. Um, and in the process, had put almost all of his vinyl records into storage. So I was, you know, my, my radar went up at that. I was a little alarmed that maybe she was going to sell them. But she, she said no. Her kids told her that she's got to keep the records, but, you know, we'll bring them back maybe not the entire collection into the new remodeled shop. So um, it was one of those afternoons that was just very special because not the most beautiful place, um, but just wonderful to talk to a very local neighborhood jazz cafe owner um, who, again, as we've gone over so many times on the show, right, Philip, like just astonished that I would come up from Tokyo and deliberately want to come talk to her. I mean, she, she mentioned it about seven times in the hour. Yeah, I mean, I had a very similar experience. Um, well, in in some ways, but it, just to get the chronology straight in my own head, I suppose we had finished our kind of seven day epic journey around Hokkaido and Kyushu, and we finished off at Nagoya Station, where I think we parted ways. And I headed up towards Matsumoto to meet with uh, Toru Aizawa, whose interview you're going to hear in a little bit, and. Then following that, after a night in Matsumoto, I headed towards Gumma on my way back, a sort of a loop back round to Tokyo. And I actually went to, to the two major cities. So I went to Takasaki and Maebashi. Now, if you look on Google Maps, you'd swear they're a stone's throw away from each other. But whatever the reason was, I just found it so difficult to get between them or I kept missing the trains and I was sort of torn between... Um, you know, a 45-minute express train that I'd missed and a sort of, a for some reason, one-hour, 45-minute local connecting train. And I just couldn't understand how it was so far apart or so difficult to get to them, uh, but get between the two cities. And I think I was on my way back towards Tokyo uh, when I came to Maibashi. And I remember it uh, similar to the way you explained. I remember being quite run down. And I think Takasaki definitely felt a little, uh, well, I wouldn't say glitzy, but it certainly felt a little bit... Um, better off perhaps than Maibashi. It, it kind of felt like a more sort of rundown, like the poorer cousin of Takasaki. But when I got the downbeat, it was closed as well. And the reason for that was that I'd actually been to another joint before that. And I probably should have changed the order because uh, I know downbeat was definitely up when I passed it the first time. And as I was walking back through, uh, I got to it and of course found this closed sign. And particularly because I was visiting Japan on this occasion, and I was coming towards the end of my trip, I thought, oh, how disappointing. I'm not going to be able to get in and see this place. But like you say, I peered in the window. I saw this lady, the owner that you mentioned, uh, and someone helping her. Uh, they were sitting there and just having a chat at a table. So I sort of tentatively knocked the door. Um, she opened it up. And I, again, I explained, like, I'm on this mission to photograph these jazz places. Uh, I know you're closed. But is there any way I could just come in and have a look around? And of course... She, with open arms, welcomed me in. And then not only that, proceeded to sort of feed me. Uh, even though I was sitting at a separate table, she kept bringing me little bits and pieces that they had prepared for lunch. Um, uh, gave me a coffee and some cake. 
Uh, and it was a really, really nice way. I, mean, I was only there, I think, for 45 minutes to an hour. I was conscious of getting back to the station and not missing the train back to Tokyo. But nice little place. Uh, interesting. One of those places, I think, where it looks like you've kind of taken a, an old place and a new place and sort of morphed them together because you can see hints, I think, of the old style uh, place that existed. Obviously, the the yellowing poster of Miles is one, the plastic orange ashtray that you can see on the table there, and the piano, and then obviously the fittings uh, and the decor inside is quite new, um, quite fresh. And then there's just a smattering of LPs up on the wall, but nothing else to suggest uh, a huge record collection or anything, you know, particularly old other than that. Yeah. And, you know, it it was I think that the, uh, the lady and her daughter lived upstairs. Um, but you could tell when I was standing outside the place, I remember seeing how they'd redone sort of the, the windows and the gate. And, and as you said, with the poster, you could kind of have an image of your head of what the building and inside would have looked like probably yeah. right up until last year um, when they decided to redo it. Um, but, you know, it's one of those places that we've mentioned this so many times. You know, this is a very small regional city. And, uh, you know, but yeah, there's going to be a jazz cafe and in the case of my bashi uh, more than one um but i still remember you know just how nice it was because she you know because we're outside of 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 any of the big cities here my bashi is not a big town at all um and probably she's not had a lot of foreign visitors um she was so intrigued uh, with the project i remember her asking will foreign people uh want to know about like a shop like mine I, i don't really understand why they would and and I wrote down in my notes like the two hundredth person to say the same thing after visiting two hundred jobs. was like they really yeah. don't get it. They really have no idea of of what a special sort of little environment that they've created and and how, yes, foreign uh, tourists, especially jazz fans, are going to love it. And and the fact that, you know, now we've got the pictures up on the site. Think of all the people who've seen, you know, pictures of her little cafe and she's just got no idea about it, you know? Yeah. It's funny too, I think you can tell by the, if you look at the piano in particular, I mean, obviously it it is used to play music, but at the moment it's um, functioning as a menu holder. And probably it's one of these cafes that makes its money as much from being a jazz place as it does from being, um, you know, just a a local neighborhood restaurant. You can see there from from those menus that, you know, it's obviously somewhere that's functioning as a a cafe. People are going there for food. But you can see the drums uh, as well. You got the drums next to it. You got the the acoustic bass. So, you know, Friday night or Saturday night, uh, it's probably a place where local musicians are going to come. I know for a fact that that some uh, Tokyo-based jazz musicians who are from Guma Prefecture uh, will come back home and play in some of the local cafes like this. So that would also be a night where you'd certainly get in enough customers to to keep the business going, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's nice always to make connections, as usual, between the different places. And I think the orange ashtray there always puts me in mind of Chigusa. I mean, it kind of speaks of a different era, doesn't mm, it? Mm, There's definitely. a very... 50s, 60s look to it, <laughs> yeah, certainly in terms of the design. So, yeah, anyway, that was Downbeat. Um, I actually got to Downbeat, weirdly. Um, I was delivered to Downbeat in the car of Nagishi-san, who is the, in some circles, I suppose, legendary owner of the second place that we're going to talk about, which is Mokuba. Now, Mokuba is also in Maibashi, but to be honest, 
the distance that you have to walk to get there, you could be forgiven for thinking it's a different prefecture. So you had warned me about this when I went and I thought, you know, I, I love to walk around cities and photograph them when I'm traveling. So I thought, well, it can't be that far. It only says 20 minutes walk. Well, honestly, I swear I felt like I'd been walking for about an hour because my plan was, well, I'll, I'll head down here and walk for a bit. Um, and then if I get really bored or really tired, I'll jump in a taxi. And I think it was towards the end of the trip. So I was definitely probably pinching the pennies a bit more. And so I started out on this fairly straight, as you described it, kind of strip mall street. It was pretty hot because it was getting towards the summer months. So I remember being quite hot and sweaty mm. and I walked along this road and then I thought, you know what, I can't walk any further. So I'll jump in a cab. But of course I made the classic uh, Tokyo dwellers mistake of thinking <laughs> I could just turn around and flag a taxi down. Well, not one taxi passed me in the entire, in the entire 25 or 30 minutes that it took me to get there. And it was way, way out near a university in Maibashi. And I honestly thought I was never going to get there. Yeah. It's right next to the grounds of the, the Guma university hospital. And That's it, um, yeah. I, I don't know who, who was doing the, the, the timing on that Google uh, map, you said 20 minutes, because even at my my rate of speed power walking, I mean, it's a good three and a half kilometers, so you're not going to be doing that in 20 minutes. Um, yeah, it's, it's way out there. And, and that's what's really interesting is because um, it is a legendary place for a lot of reasons. Um, and, you know, when, when we got out there, um, we did take a bus, thankfully. As soon as we walked in, Mr. Nagishi came up to talk to us. I explained why I had come up and uh, he very kindly sat us down, brought out the coffee and brought out four hugely packed scrapbooks just full of things mm. uh, detailing the history of not only the cafe, but his work as a promoter and a producer of jazz events in the region. I mean, this was 40 plus years of incredible history all kinds of musicians from across the jazz spectrum have played gigs uh, up in this part of the country. And our regular listeners will definitely remember, we have talked about this before, in the 60s and 70s and certainly through the 80s, jazz musicians, when they would come to Japan, they wouldn't just play Tokyo or Osaka. They would play civic halls or little little clubs all around the country. Um, you've got a great picture, for example, of uh, Anita O'Day, that has her autograph hanging in the in the cafe. That's when she came up to visit. Um, yeah, he, I was really chuffed to see that too because um, certainly when I was involved in the swing scene in Tokyo and, and DJing and stuff, I was a big, big fan and still am a big fan of Anita O'Day. And uh, yeah, it was a real buzz to see that. But again, just, you know, how casually it's just hanging there um, on the wall. And oh, we yeah, got and the, so and the sort way, of blasé about seeing this kind of memorabilia just hanging here, there and everywhere. The way that he, yeah, blasé is a great word because he, he was just like, oh, yeah, you know, this was a picture I took uh, with Oscar Peterson. Um, he wanted to go eat some sushi, but I told him that, you know, maybe you don't want to eat it up here in the mountains this time of year. And I was like, wait, what? 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 What What are you talking about? Oscar Peterson? <laughs> you ate sushi with him? Like, I mean, it was just it was that kind of discussion that went on for like more than an hour. Um, incredible, incredible concert uh, po advertisement posters for gigs, uh, pictures of him and other locals with hanging out with the musicians. So it's not just that they were putting the gig on. I mean, they were taking them around, going to the hot springs, going out to yeah, drink sake. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, I, I'll never forget that hour. And what was crazy was that I asked um, Nagishi-san, 
who, while being very friendly, was still very, very cool in that sort of jazz master way that we've also talked about. He was, A little yeah. bit reserved. And I said, uh, do you mind if I, I take pictures and put some of this stuff online? I'll, I'll send you the links. And he just said, he's like, I don't, I'm not online. And I was like, oh, well, I could, I could email them to you. He's like, no, I don't use email. I was like, do you, can I send them to your phone? He's like, no, I don't have a, a, a cell phone. I'm analog. But he said that without a smile. I mean, this was 100% serious. He was like, I'm analog. Yeah. I don't do any of yeah. that stuff. Yeah. I come, I open the cafe, I play the new records, I have coffee, I have whiskey. And, you know, I mean, you've mentioned many times, Philip, about that Zen-like quality that some of these owners have, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's so analog that he doesn't even have his sign up on the wall. I mean, it's funny <laughs> because that, I thought that was a really sweet moment because he, he we, we sat there and chatted for a bit and obviously... Um, I got talking about um, Aizawa in particular, which we're going to come on to in a moment. But he he brought me outside and he made me um, sort of photograph where the sign should be. So again, you know, it's not on the wall. You can see it propped up on a bench outside and the photograph of him holding it up is him sort of demonstrating where it would normally be hanging. And I just thought it was one of those really sweet moments, you know. Um, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous place. And again, there's just that beautiful, beautiful setup with the speakers um, and the chair positioned just to sit right in front of them. Uh, and fully appreciate the the sound. And I mean, it was a really nice experience um, for me to go there. And I suppose a bit of a mission in some ways. So just to fill people in as we get closer to the interview with Toru Aizawa, I had gone there, um, obviously knowing that um, as a younger man, um, Nagishi had been heavily involved in the jazz scene in Gumma, and also he had known Aizawa because they used to come there uh, to play uh, to play live. And I think Nagishi also had a hand in the production of this legendary Tachibana album. And I don't want to spoil the interview too much because uh, Toru Aizawa talks a lot about it in the interview. But really, mm -hmm. as we mentioned in the in the episode with Tony and Mike, Tachibana had become this kind of holy grail for jazz collectors. No one really knew um, how many copies existed. Uh, people thought that, uh, or the story was that the person who had produced it was a businessman. He had bankrolled the whole uh, album. Uh, and, and he himself uh, he was, was a customer uh, of Mokuba, uh, an older customer, older than Nagishi-san and Aizawa-san and the band members, um, and quite, you know, more well-heeled, as, as you'll hear about. But yeah, you know, Mokuba was sort of the, the fulcrum where these guys would hang out, play, and ended up you know, playing a major role in, in one of the most sought after records of all of Japanese jazz, I guess you could say, right? Yeah. And I think the story was that, that this businessman, uh, Mr. Tachibana, who had bankrolled it, um, was actually, um, he was using it sort of as a business card. So he would give it to clients and so on and, and present it as a business card, which again, you know, obviously in Japan, the whole culture around business cards is, is, is very important. Uh, and this was his way of approaching it, I suppose. In addition to that, of course, they made this album and then never made any other recordings again. And so again, it took on this sort of iconic and mythical status. And so it was interesting to talk to Nagishi-san about that. And as you mentioned, he not only produced um, a couple of copies of the album, 
album from his record collection, but he also brought out these uh, fantastic photo albums. Uh, and I photographed some of those with my phone. Um, and so I'll make sure that they get posted on social media when this episode goes live. You know, I think your pictures really captured it well, that the beautiful sort of wooden um, decor, the fact that it's clearly been, you know, again, reformed, as they say here, or redone, redesigned um, since the old days. But it still, it maintains that that perfect balance of, you know, comfort, but a little bit, a little bit forbidding. Um, it's not a place that you would feel comfortable talking loudly in. And Nagishi-san's picture, you can see he's a real peaceful dude, um, but a, a little bit reserved. So you wouldn't want to, you know, take advantage of the hospitality. Um, but I know that a lot of tourists uh, in J who come to Japan and go up to Guma Prefecture to all of the hot springs resorts, it's very, very easy to make a stop by Maibashi on your way down back into Tokyo. So if you're a jazz fan and you're, you're listening to this show, you clearly are. A hundred percent, you got to go by and visit it. Just make sure you take a taxi from the station. Yeah. <laughs> Good advice. Especially Sage in advice. the summertime. <laughs> well, look, James, we're going to probably leave it there for today. Um, it's probably worth just setting up the interview um, uh, so that people have a little bit of context for the recording as well. So mm. when I went to meet, uh, I contacted um Do as he's now Dr. Aizawa, he's a medical doctor um, and working in a hospital for many years up in Matsumoto and Nagano Prefecture. Basically, we'd arranged to meet by email. I turned up at this hotel in Matsumoto and amazingly, he had done, which again, very Japanese thing. He'd booked this Japanese style room um, in the top uh, floor of this hotel. So you come up, uh, you enter through the sliding door. It's all tatami mats, uh, different levels. And then there's this beautiful window that's revealed with a sort of a Japanese style garden. Uh, and he'd ordered what, what's known in Japan as kaiseki lyori, which is basically a, a very long meal of lots of different small little courses that come to your table in this beautifully timed procession of uh, seasonal foods. And um, Having never met this man, I mean, it was just fascinating. We sat down. He speaks very good English. He'd lived four years in America working as a doctor. And basically, we just talked about all sorts of stuff. Uh, and I kind of filled him in, in on the background of the project. And the portion of the interview that you're going to hear really covers a lot of things. But amongst those are how he got started as a musician himself. Um, interesting, he talks about his family's feelings around jazz and, and jazz musicians, uh, particularly in the 60s. He <laughs> describes a meeting with Bill Evans that he had in a jazz bar in Tokyo. You can also hear me kind of very tentatively trying to shift the ordering from beer towards sake. <laughs> um, <laughs> how long the album took, what the origin of the names were, how many copies exist. And then also, I think really interestingly, just his bewilderment um, at how there is this enduring interest in this album he recorded um, as a university student back in the early 70s. So it's a fascinating interview. Throughout the interview, as I mentioned at the start, you can hear um, eating as well and drinking as we work our way through this gorgeous meal. And every so often you can hear the dulcet tones of the serving staff coming in uh, to kind of move the meal on, uh, take away some dishes and bring us something new. So we really hope you enjoy the interview. See you all next week for episode 19, which we're titling In Suburbia. And we're going to look at a few places a little bit beyond the boundaries of Tokyo. James, until next week. Take it easy, bud. 
Um, can you can you so can you tell me how did you come to record this record? Like, what was the how did you start to get into music initially? Yeah, um, that was uh, Mr. Tachibana. Uh, he was a rich guy in Maibashi area, and he was interested in um, jazz. Maybe not only jazz, but um, young people's music, rock and roll, and many things. But he very often comes to uh, Monkuba, the place you're gonna go. Actually, Monkuba moved from the center of Maibashi to a little bit um, away. But anyway, the, his shop uh, is called Monkuba, the jazz place spot. And um, we, we mean uh, I and Mr. Morimura brothers, and um, this time Watanabe, but sometimes some other guys joined us and played uh, music. And um, so the, the Mr. Tachibana was uh, one of the um, one of the one of the people. Uh, comes almost always when we do live music, he comes. And then um, after maybe five, six times, he proposed us, how about um, making a record? I will pay for that. And um, uh, he, in a sense, he was, he invited us to do that. And he had a very gorgeous um, studio in his house. This is a part of uh, this wooden structure. is a part of his uh, studio. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, there are Steinway pianos and um, many other the top um, level music instrument so we visited his house and um, uh, so the, the recording was uh, done after a while before making this record we played the music at his home maybe five six times and then he finally decided to make the record, mm -hmm. so, so um, uh, it's completely upon him, mm -hmm. completely upon uh, due to his uh, kind offer. Mm -hmm. and, um, we didn't pay anything. He, he paid everything for recording. For recording, that he invited um, some engineer, several engineers from Tokyo, to uh, his house. So everything was paid by him. So I think he distributed. I have about um, 20, 30 copies of this one, but um, maybe he produced um, somewhere around 200. Oh, really? Like, only 200? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, in a sense, yeah. only 200. Because I think, I think some people, uh, certainly talking with Tony, seem to mm -hmm. think that maybe, no one was quite sure how many, but they were, suggesting more like a thousand copies, so it was as small as 200. Maybe less than that. 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he mostly uh, gave this record to his friend. Okay. Uh, close friend. Because one one of the one of the rumors is also that he used it as almost like a meishi. Like oh a, yeah. A business card. Is that true or is that? A... Mm, I don't know because I left Maibashi and came to Matsumoto. Okay. And after that, I um, didn't see him at all. So um, yes, I know as a as a rumor, <laughs> but um, I don't know if it's true or not. Okay. In the music school, college. Okay. And we played uh, so many times at uh, Mokuba in, mm. in Maebashi. So, um, Mr. Negishi was uh, very kind to us to give a place and um, prepare um, music. I mean, uh, Amplifier and all of those electric mm. things. So, so um, what, what was what was the what was the influence for you to get into to jazz particularly? At this moment, now? No, when you started uh, playing oh. as a as a student. Mm, you mean to from whom I was influenced? Yeah, but I mean, you, so obviously you learned to play the piano, but like, why did you go? Jazz, rather than say classical, uh -huh. for example, or well, um, that there is a sort of long history. <laughs> I started to play piano at the age of four, and um, I started just as a classic, traditional uh, piano um, lesson, and um, until. Ten years old, I was a good student. Once a year, I went to a teacher's house and um, learned how to play uh, classic introductory music for classic piano. But uh, someday, I noticed that uh, which is uh, rather unusual for boys. <laughs> All of my friends, uh, actually none of my friends, went to piano lesson. But, um, at weekend they are just uh, running around and uh, playing baseball and so on. And I wondered why I have to go to piano. <laughs> and so I talked to my mother, my mom, <laughs> she, of course, wanted to continue. It's a good uh, thing if you can play piano when you become adult. So uh, please do not uh, quit. But I actually quit <laughs> at the age of 10 or, 12, 10, 10 or 11, I'm not sure. And after uh, getting into uh, middle high school, at the age of 13, I guess, I met a guy by the name of Mr. Miyamoto. He was a very strong um, character and very good at the trumpet. So 
uh, he was strongly influenced by、uh, Miles Davis, even at the age of 13. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> And he came to us. And、um, he, he said, I'm going to make a、um, jazz band in the school. Why don't you play piano? And he gathered several others. And、um, I still remember he, one day he brought in Miles'、uh, record. Do you know Miles Davis? And I said, no, no, not at all. Okay, you have to listen to this. <laughs> That was almost like a homework. <laughs> And、um, anyway, I think his mother, no, his father was a sort of musician or musician like、uh, people working for music anyway. So he was a rather sophisticated uh,、um, feeling for jazz and、um, popular music rather than kaiokyoku. So he made a Miyamoto band. <laughs> so I, after several years of uh, uh, rest, I restarted、mm, piano in the middle high school. And around us, there was a nice、uh, friend playing、um, bass, playing drums. And、um, so I, we started、mm, Miyamoto Jazz Band. And、um, that was.、Uh, Mm, first exposure of me to actually、um, modern jazz. And、um, I don't know why, but by some reason it was very interesting for me. So I、um, mm, tried、uh, to, the, to my best and I.、Mm, Went to jazz pianist、mm, lesson when I was、um, 16 years old. Do you know Sadao Watanabe?、Mm. At that time, he came back from Boston, Berkeley Music School, and he opened、um, Sadao Watanabe. Jazz Institute in Tokyo. And、um, he taught、um, saxophone and、um, overall、um, theory brought back from、um, Berkeley. And、um, each member of his、uh, group, piano, drums, and bass, and so on. Was a teacher of、uh, his school. And the、um, piano part was、uh, Masabumi Kikuchi, he was a teacher. And I learned from him、um, 
essentially the theory, jazz theory. And um, when I became 17 years old, which is the second year of high school, I was almost serious about uh, being a jazz piano, jazz pianist. Mm. So I asked them, may I try <laughs> um, to be a jazz pianist? And he said immediately, no, not at all. <laughs> no way. <laughs> and the reason uh, he said to me was, uh, you do not have a talent <laughs> really? at all. <laughs> and Mm, so that um, as a musician or as a piano player, pianist, your uh, sense is uh, very low from his viewpoint. And that's one thing. And the other thing, and most importantly, is um, doing jazz in Japan and um, making uh, earn the money and make your life with uh, jazz music is very, 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 very difficult. Mm. Only maybe 20, 30 people uh, can do that. And I do not think you can tolerate that type of uh, very harsh, severe uh, environment. Hmm. And as an example, he, he uh, told me his friend, he was um, very good at the violin. And um, there is a national uh, music school in Ueno, Tokyo. And he graduated um, that college at the top um, player. And can you guess uh, what he is doing now? And he told me that um, his friend was uh, playing violin uh, as a back musician of Kayokyoku uh, singer. <laughs> and, uh, so he, his dream was, of course, to become a violinist of uh, classic music. But it was um, impossible for him to do that. And many, 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 many of them are doing like that. They really want to do this type of music, but it doesn't make money. So go to Kayokyoku. And so that is, uh, if you are serious about music, that's very hard and sad. And um, I'm sure you can't tolerate that. So I s say no to you. <laughs> and what was, your, what was your reaction to that? Or how, how did you feel when you said that? Well, first of all, I, of course, I uh, resisted a little bit. But um, after a while, I was so... Um, uh, what can I say? Um, I listen to 
uh, the opinion of uh, elder people very straight. And if he said so, maybe that's true. <laughs> that's really the case. And um, as a next step, I um, talked to my family. How about becoming a jazz pianist? <laughs> All of my family member, except my father, said no, not at all. <laughs> jazz musician is uh, almost like yakuza. <laughs> the, their image is so. Um, please do not. But my father was a doctor and. I don't know why, but he said, maybe that's okay <laughs> if you like, you can do that. And from now, if I uh, recall, maybe he thought that if everybody says no, <laughs> I may go that way. So he sort of accepted my idea, my proposal. And um, but after a while, I will give up. So I guess he was uh, looking toward that direction. Mm. So bright. <laughs> He's a clever man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good parenting. <laughs> mm. So I gave up jazz um, pianist as a career. And I tried to become a doctor and um, went to Maibashi. And this is four, no, six years later. In Maibashi, I met uh, Mr. Morimura. He came to the medical school music festival. And Mecca School Music Festival is very low-grade music, <laughs> to be honest. And um, it is uh, very um, difficult to tolerate. <laughs> and, um, but I, as a freshman, I was invited to do um, piano in, in that group. And Mr. Morimura came to um, that festival and found that my piano is the music is a bit different from other American students. And he, after that session, he came to me and why don't you play with us? And um, I was, uh, uh, it was a very good timing because I was, uh, almost uh, to quit <laughs> mega school band because it is so boring. <laughs> so you'd actually already gone to medical school? Oh, yes. Uh, by this stage? You were yes, studying yes. medicine? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So I have to thank Mr. Morimura. <clears throat> but anyway, he... Um, took me to his uh, uh, house in Isesaki. Ah, you're gonna have a beer or uh, whatever? Maybe some sake? 
あお酒お酒,お酒のなんかリストありますかあはい and um so we started to uh, make a small group、うん、Mr. Morimura and me and、um, Morimura's younger brother and、um, there are two other guys some Trumpet, or I don't remember exactly. And、um, <clears throat> so that was the beginning of this、uh, record. So, were there particular pianists or musicians who influenced you、mm, in terms of your playing? Many of them.、Um, uh, I do not have、uh, a particular. Uh, pianist, I was influenced by. I, I have listened to many、uh, pianists, like、uh, in those days,、uh, Bill Evans or Theronius Monk,、mm-hmm. or I even got, went to、uh, Oscar Peterson.、Mm-hmm. And a、um, little later, Keith Jarrett. Chick Corea,、uh, those、uh, were the names I remember. And,、um, actually, I met once、um, Bill Evans when he came to Tokyo.、Um, he gave several concerts in Tokyo.、Mm. In between, he visited.、Um, Seven, no. There was a jazz critic called Isono, Mr. Isono Teruo, and he had a, a jazz spot in Jiugaoka near Shibuya.、Mm. It's called、um, Five Spot. Okay. And、um, so Mr. Isono invited.、Um, Mm, Bill Evans to his、uh, shop, I mean,、uh, place, and、um, maybe about 30 of、uh, Mr. Isono's friends. I, I was in the medical school at that time, and he、mm, told me Bill Evans is going to come to his、uh, jazz spot, so why don't you come to Tokyo? So I went.、Um, To、uh, Isono's place, Five Spot in Jiugaoka. And、um, we all expected he's gonna play music, he's gonna play piano. He said, No, <laughs> <laughs> this is not a concert. You have to pay <laughs> to come to listen to my music. <laughs> so, In that sense, he was disappointed. But um, um, instead, he, Bill Evans, talked many things about、uh, music. Well, his idea, well, his、um, attitude toward、um, other musicians. And、um, at, at last, Mr. Isono told everybody 
if you have any questions or comments, why don't you ask, ask him? And、um, I said,、um, <laughs> at that time, Miles Davis was、uh, just started、uh, sort of、uh, rock and roll mixed electric sound, so traditional、mm, jazz.、Uh, he moved a little bit toward the、uh, Electric sound. And,、um, and so I asked Bill Evans that、um, what do you think, or what is your、uh, reaction toward、uh, Miles's、uh, kind of transformation? I mean, the transformed music. And he said,、um, Very、uh, gently, or very.、Mm, I, I was expecting that, or、oh, I don't like that. <laughs> Then the, his response was totally different. Oh, okay, that's、um, his idea. So he may enjoy that. <laughs> so it was almost like he was、uh, Bill Evans. Was the way of talking was,、um, yeah, okay, he can enjoy it, but maybe he will return to somewhere else just for a while. It'll be a fun. But <laughs>、mm. something like that. So <laughs> I thought、um, Bill Evans is a, a sort of big. Uh, guy, I mean, viewing things、mm, widely. Mm, like a long, lo- like a bigger picture? Yeah, yeah,、mm. yeah, bigger picture.、Mm. Yeah. Well,、mm. well anyway,、okay. that was a、um, good memory for me. Right? Oh, it's okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, this <laughs> is four years.、Hey. Thank you. This is a、uh, uh, sake of this area, and a little bit、um, sweet,、mm. if you may say. It's called daiseke. Okay. Oh, yeah. Not, not very、um, dry. S- yeah, yeah.、Mm-hmm. Not very strong.、Mm. Almost like.、Uh, Mm, wine. <laughs> so, how, how did they name, like, how, how it's obviously it's called the Toru Aizawa Quartet. How、mm-hmm. did your name、mm. become the, the, the title of the album? Because、um, the concept or direction of the music. Well, the sound is、um, dis- decided、mm, mostly by me, not always. Sometimes by、um, Tetsuya Morimura, sometimes by、um, Choichiro Morimura, but most often、mm, was decided by me. 
even though they created, they produced their uh, music, but um, how about doing this part like this? How about changing from this to this? I proposed an uh, idea and many times they accepted it. Mm. So, um, I think that was uh, not, um, there's no, nobody um, decided to put my name on that. Actually, Tachibana is the name of a person who paid. Mm. And um, naturally, um, he, I mean, Tachibana and um, Negishi at Mokuba called our group, Toro Aizawa Quartet. They are very kind. <laughs> and what about the, the design of the cover? How did that come mm. about? Is this is the... Negishi's too. Okay. He was really good at um, drawing uh, art or taking photograph and so on. So um, all of those mm, is um, by Mr. Negishi. Mm. Photograph by Koichi ah, Negishi. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the, the, this symbol is, is connected with Tachibana, mm. is that right? This is the family logo. Ta Tachibana is the name of a plant, actually. Mm. In this case, Tachibana is the name of his family, but the mm, meaning of Tachibana is uh, this type of, uh, mm, not flower, but uh, plant. So, mm, actually, this is Tachibana plant. <laughs> mm. So, in terms of the, the choice of tracks on the record, how did you come to decide on ah, that selection of, that's a good question. of tracks? Because there's some cover cover versions and then some original tracks, is that right? I think um, we took about twelve hours, a little more, to um, record to make to produce this record and um, we played this is maybe seven eight how many tunes oh. yeah so there's five only mm -hmm. yeah i'm sure we played uh, over 10 and um of course not once but um several times of uh, each uh, music and um, after making, after recording, we by ourselves, um, including Tachibana and um, Mr. Negishi, listened to it and um, we picked up, maybe this is good better than this, and so on. So, I think 
master tape before making into this is um, uh, Mr. Monimura has uh, original twelve hours <laughs> really music maybe. But I, as I said before, I was really um, surprised when I received a mail. Um, Tony's Japanese uh, co-workers saying that um, they gonna produce CD of this. Mm. Are you sure? <laughs> So when you, after you'd recorded the album, it says volume one on the front, did you have plans to produce more or? Well, I, I think Mr. Uh, uh, Tachibana had a plan to uh, produce uh, volume two, not with us, but with other um, players. But, um, I'm afraid that his business w went down somehow. So um, he gave up to produce the second one. Mm. And um, after a while, I think he... He killed himself by some, maybe mentally some problem. Okay. So um, that's uh, again a rumor. I'm not sure, but um, I, well, anyway, he died. Okay. So just uh, just one. Although there was a plan, maybe for a second and third. And when, when you recorded the album, did you see it as the start of a music career or did you just see it as a, mm. a project of, you know, something to get your music recorded? <laughs> to, to, to be honest, I saw this at the end of my music career because I was in the medical school and I, mm, when I made this, album, I have already decided to leave Matsumo uh, Maibashi and to come to Matsumoto because here in Matsumoto um, there was a um, Professor Yamada who's very good at uh, endocrinology and diabetes and I thought um, I will go to um, Matsumoto after graduation, immediately after graduation. And then my eyes are toward that direction. <laughs> so, um, and act actually it is uh, so difficult to keep uh, time and um, um, keep the level of uh, um, piano playing, doing uh, medical resident at uh, at one hand, and then play 
piano on the other hand, mm-hmm. almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Because um, it's very busy, as you may know, the young resident. So my piano, I mean, my music, gradually going down, went down. And um, that's very depressive. For example, after six months or one year, I opened the piano and I can pray what I could do before. Not too bad. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a negative feedback. <laughs> So, actually, this was the end of my uh, career as a semi-professional music player. I listened to, um, as I said before, um, many professional jazz pianist music. If I compared this one to those, this is not very sophisticated, it's so, so obvious. But um, one thing I may be able to say is uh, an impact, the energy or, um, in a sense, powerfulness exists here. Okay. Um, which is often absent in the commercial, like Bill Evans or Chick Corea type music. It's sophisticated, but in a sense, too much sophisticated. So the primitive energy has gone or lost, or not necessarily lost, but suppressed. And do you think that's connected with the age, you know, is, is it is it an age thing in terms of like you were all very young at the time when you made the album, or mm. is it to do with money or? Mm. Well, I think, um, yeah, to some extent it'll be age, but more more often I think um, it's a uh, pure. I mean pureness of our feeling to the music because I there's no need to make money <laughs> through this music. Mm-hmm. I just did it what I wanted and Mr. Morimura did it what he wanted and as a group we did it what we wanted and Mr. Tachibana enjoyed it. With, uh, very um, pure sort of uh, uh, human interrelationship between us. That I think um, rather rare for commercial uh, music producing mm. uh, field. So. Um, Maybe that's the mm, reason for this album, if any, mm, to attract people's attention. I think one of the things that seems to be surprising about it when you hear it is that just listening to it, I think you, 
it's 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 very deep, and and mm. the, there is a lot of that energy and power in it. And I think you would never imagine that it's for Japanese university students. <laughs> and I think that's probably part of the appeal as well. You know, mm. it, it it's just incredible. Like when you when you hear the sound and then you hear the story, it's not necessarily what you would expect. Mm. Mm. And the other thing I have to say is um, Tetsuya Morimura drama. He is very talented, and um, oh, I'm sorry, Tetsuya Morimura's drama. I think um, if you listen to our uh, sound carefully, you may notice that he is. Uh, あ、はい。はい。わかりました。はい。ヒーズ。テクニックイズ。ベリーグッド。エンド、アクチュアリーヒーズメイキングオブコースドラムス。オールウェイズメイキングベースフォーザミュージックバットイスペシャリヒーズ
jazz had become so huge in Japan. So why why did people still view it as a kind of a like not a not a good career choice or almost like mm. similar to kind of well criminal I, activities and I I, I knew that um, mm, there are many jazz spot in Tokyo and uh, we very often went there to listen to the music and sometimes talk to the musician after the session. Which particular places did you go to? Mm, pit, pit in mm -hmm. Shinjuku. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the most um, frequent place we visited. And um, I thought that mm, some of them are using drugs and very often alcohol. And I noticed that this is the mm, thing that Mr. Kikuchi told me when I asked him because uh, I think um, using drug, drug abuse or alcoholism is an um, escape from the real world because the reality is too hard or too harsh. So they need something um, to be uh, away from it. And um, so superficially, it's okay, but um, the reality is, the deep inside is uh, not so good. And um, on the other hand, I met several times Sadao Watanabe. And he is totally away from drugs or alcohol, but he's... Uh, He's still playing uh, sax and sometimes um, have a concert, but um, he's the guy, mm, a rare example, the rarest example, I would say. So um, maybe the, my family's response that um, just Pianist is almost like Yakuza, not exactly away from the real situation. Mm -hmm. So, music is okay, and um, uh, listen to the music is fine, but the real life of a uh, jazz musician, at least in Japan, was, um, to my eyes, not at all happy. I mean, anyone who knows Japan too will know that even now, like this morning, I was going through the airport in um, Fukuoka and even in the morning in one of the restaurants, they're just playing mm -hmm. sort of quite heavy bebop jazz. Uh -huh. So why, why do you think jazz took such a hold? Because obviously, you know, going around photographing the jazz bars and jazz coffee shops, there's literally hundreds of them, and it really only exists in Japan. So mm. why did it take such a hold on Japan, do you think? 
toward the dead. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Actually, as a doctor, I spent about four years in the United States. And uh, you may, you, you are right that um, jazz music is uh, mm, so minor or minority. But I think it's different from the situation in Japan. But I don't know the reason. Maybe, mm, I don't know. How do you think? <laughs> well, I don't know. We often talk about it, you know,、um, and even things that, you know, sometimes people talk about, well, you know, it's an American influence, American soldiers and bases and things like that. But there's similar situations in other countries in the world, and it doesn't exist in the same way. You know, even somewhere like South Korea,、mm-hmm. it, it's just not the same,、mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason. So, We, myself and my partner on the Tokyo Jazz Joints project, we just we don't really know. We often wonder, you know, and、mm-hmm. we spent the last five days, you know, driving around like tiny little towns in,、mm-hmm. in thank you,、sure. tiny little towns in Kyushu and、mm-hmm. neighborhoods that you would never go to、mm-hmm. as a tourist.、Mm-hmm. And then you turn the corner and there's this jazz coffee shop,、wow. you know, with 3,000 records and You know, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of audio equipment,、mm. you know, next to a primary school and,、mm. and houses. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's almost kind of surreal, you know, you, you can't quite believe that it exists,、mm. you know? So I, I don't really know.、Mm. We, have, we, haven't found the, we haven't found the answer to that question yet. Maybe one reason is that.、Um, mm, The music style, the um, um, ad lib them,、uh, improvisation, the, the part of it is、uh, decided or rather definitely decided, but、um, a part of it is rather free or sometimes or often totally free. That combination is,、uh, I think, unique to、um, jazz music. Other music is、uh, um, more or less decided.、Mm. And、um, that combination of、uh, formal or decided part. And free part. And then again, coming back to the formal part portion, is,、uh, it makes a kind of cycle or circle. If you listen to The classic music, either totally decided, or some of them, of course, are free style, free jazz like things exist. But it's again, no, in that case, it's too free <laughs> and、um, very close to noise. <laughs> so, jazz is、uh, sort of in between of.、Uh, Style 
and um, free and um, you can express your uh, feeling at the mm, free portion, improvisation portion. And um, you have to uh, operate, cooperate with uh, your colleague at the decided part. If we, if I think, um, if I answer to your question, um, that may be the answer. I'm not sure, but sometimes I wonder if it. I've lived in Japan for a long time, and、mm. more than anywhere, really, daily life, particularly for Japanese people, often is governed by、mm-hmm. a lot of rules and obligations and certain ways of doing things and levels of respect and formality and so on.、Mm-hmm. Sometimes I wonder if that ability that you're talking about to express yourself or that that expression that comes from jazz, I wonder if sometimes that appeals because、mm-hmm. it's. It's sort of the exact opposite, often of of what you know a lot of people experience、mm-hmm. on a day to day basis in Japan, where you know you have to to kind of play things a certain way and follow follow the rules and so on and so forth. I I don't know, but、mm, that may be true. Yeah, when I went to the states, I felt、um, so many freedom. I mean. The things are not、uh, decided、mm. by、um, rules, but in this country, even if it doesn't,、um, the written、mm, regulation doesn't exist, but you have to obey. <laughs>、mm. There are so many unwritten social rules.、Mm. That you are right. That's quite different. It's always fascinating, like when we go around to different jazz bars and jazz kisa. I think we have like an admiration for the masters, for the owners,、mm-hmm. because I think to choose that job, particularly in Japan, is is a very strong statement of like your personality, because you really have to kind of step out of mainstream society. You know, it's it has a certain reputation.、Mm-hmm. This hours are very unsociable.、Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a. You're never going to make a lot of money,、mm-hmm. and、uh, it's it's very interesting to meet a lot of these owners. You know,、um, and you know these places are like museums. You know, they're like tiny museums all over the country, but they in some ways are very separate from mainstream. You know, society or culture or you know. Yeah, you you may be true that.、Um... I that t- type of statement、uh, recall, re- remember me that、um, make me recall that the feeling I had, we had, in those days, were、mm, not very clear, but um, some um, vague anti authority. Um, feeling.、Mm, they say this, but we don't <laughs> like that.、Mm. That type of resistance may have existed at the bottom line. So、um, that may be the another reason、uh, people can 
I recognize this is a little different from something. Mm. 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 And does jazz play any part of your life now, or? Mm, yeah. Um, um, as I said before, mm, uh, my level of music is um, coming so low. <laughs> but um, still, I play sometime with my friend. Um, sometimes jazz, but sometimes popular music, and sometimes even kaiokyoku. Um, and uh, there is a, a live house called uh, Venus <laughs> in Matsumoto. Mm -hmm. It's not a jazz spot, but um, mm, what can I say? There's a very old style mm, music place, and there is a hall and um, space. You can dance if you like. And um, once in uh, three or four months, we play there. Uh, with my friend in, uh, in the hospital. And um, there are several uh, people who's uh, interested in playing music mm. as a group. Mm. So um, sometimes, once in a while, I do that as a really um, lay people. <laughs> and um, But that's fun. Mm. And. Um, of course, just a little bit of connection from here. <laughs> yeah. Exist. Mm. Mm.